Welcome to Hit for Six. It's a drizzly, grey, cold Friday in October. And yet first-class cricket in England is still taking place, which makes me very, very happy and very excited. Uh, Michael, it's been a little while again. We've had we've had some drama, haven't we, between us um, over the term of us over the last couple of weeks. Um, how, how are you getting on? No big drama for mine, to be fair. Just plugging away, trying not to be sad about all the dark weather. I think for you it's been a lot more exciting, Rob. Uh, yeah, I won't go into too much detail, but in short, I quit my job and then realised I shouldn't have quit my job. And they've lab and stay, which is very nice of them. Uh, but that has been a course of much stress and heartache. Uh, but anyway, we're back talking about cricket, which is uh, something that always relaxes me. Um, apart from when I'm about to bowl, I feel physically sick at that point. But when I when I'm watching cricket, enjoying it, uh, always a lovely distraction, a wonderful pastime. Uh, but Michael, we were... Last time we spoke, 1-1 in the series, perfectly poised, to, um, two to play. Here we go. We were, I saw you at the Oval. That didn't quite get a plan. And then the last match gets um, cancelled, called off, postponed. Forfeited. Forfeited. Yes, I like that. Strong. Like, yeah, exactly. Forfeited. I don't know why I'm saying that, because I'm going to argue the other way in a second, but I just like to be... I like to poke the bear, you know. Yeah, well, and therefore it, it's, the series kind of didn't really finish and what had been a really exciting and enjoyable series ended in a bit of ignominy and controversy and just kind of petered out, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And where do you want to start when we talk, talk about that series? Let's talk about the third test because I confidently said last time we spoke, oh, it's going to be 3-1 England, got the momentum, we're going to roll away. You said 2 all. And I'm right, because obviously with India forfeiting that final test, <laughs> we'll claim that 2-2 series result. So we'll get to there. But I have to say that third test, like I went to two of the days and the first day I went to was great fun. Bowled them out for the low scores and the 200. Shame about that big boy hitting all those runs to get them over get them over the line from a terrible score to 200. Exactly. Um, cool, that's his name. Um, with some good shots, but some pretty average bowling. And again, we wilting in the field a little bit against aggressive batting. But um, I just remember your incredible confidence, Rob, when I think it was like day three, day four, Pope had just got out in a heartbreaking way, he hadn't got his hundred. And you said, imported innings will win this test. He's played a big role. We'll have them three down tonight. Then they'll bat most of tomorrow will be two down tomorrow night. Well, I think by tomorrow night, we were still bowling. Jimmy Anderson's knees were about 80 years old. You know, he was flogging himself into the mud, deadest pitch around. India were just batting and batting and batting. It didn't quite go how you called it, did it, Rob? Well, we were still going to win as we go into day five. Hamid and Burns set. 300 to win on the flattest pitch known to man. So even though the game, the pitch became deader than I was anticipating... It was still there for England to win. They should have won. Um, and it's not my fault that we can't bat. That's all I I'm not. You I'm not said taking... we've got their top six in the head. All right, all of them in England, but they don't fancy against our lads here. Rohit, 127. Rahul, 46. Pajara, 61. Kohli, 44. So, you know, the top six did all right, particularly, well, particularly Rohit. Yeah, fine. Rohit did well. We've got five of the top six in the head. We've definitely got Rahane in the head. I'll we have got Rahani in the head, but Rahani just looks like a bit of a ghost at the moment. He looks so on. You know when someone's in really bad nick and they just they're, they're only about ten percent of their soul and bodies on the pitch. When he walks out to bat, I feel like that's what Rahani's 
situation is yeah. at the moment. You feel he needs to have a spa day at Champneys, you know, and a couple of massages, trips. Maybe just a break from Viracoli. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, that's like, definitely a start. But you know, you're right. We we we. But it's just frustrating, isn't it? Because it always feels like, oh, we've put on a good start here, and as you go to bed, you think, oh, oh, anything could happen here. Anything could happen. Obviously, only one thing's going to happen. We're going to get skittled. We're going to lose one wicket, which leads to eight. And it's just so sad. I was I was following that final day. I was at a course, an in-person course. I couldn't watch any of it. But I was like under the table, sneaking looks at cricket for updates. And then there was a particularly intense bit of the day where it was like a really, you know, you had to get involved, put posters on a wall, that sort of thing. So I couldn't check for like an hour. And I then checked again. And I had to stop myself from swearing extremely loudly because we'd lost like five, five wickets in that hour. We'd gone from being, fav- not favourites, but in the game to just dead, dead in the water. And it is frustrating. Yeah, I, I was similar. I was I busy work, whatever. Check beauty sport. And I can see you always know it's bad when the image on BBC Sport is an England batsman with a head <laughs> down and walking off. And I was like, oh no, what's happened? And then you kind of click on it and you see it's a complete disaster. I think, I suppose some credit where credit's due. Then when I watched the highlights back, and Bumra bowled particularly outstandingly well. This is a very good India team. You don't win in uh, Australia and then tie a series in England um, or dash win a series in England in, you know, in the space of sort of six, nine months if you're not a very, very good side. And so I think that's worth worth praising, worth, worth celebrating. You know, it wasn't any old mugs we lost to, certainly. Just a little, before we get into that phantom fourth test question, just a little bit of a dissection of the England innings and the batting efforts as a whole, this series. Burns, I think, kind of backs up what you said previously, that, you know, him getting lambasted at the same time Sibley wasn't fair because he's a pretty solid, consistent opener. Um, another 50 in this test. He's done all right this series. He's one of the more stable batsmen. <laughs> He just gets a lot of ducks. That's the problem. So, like, he'll either do all right and get a 50 or just get out straight away, which is kind of annoying. It could be good if he even, even if he is a fail, a fail like a, a 10 off 30 does more of the job. Do you know what I mean? But he, that, I think that's the, probably the, the issue is he just, there's quite often like first over, Burns is out. Seems to be a bit of a habit shared by him, Hamid, Sibley. And it is an issue because it just means half the time we're in collapse mode. And yeah. Joe Root's in firefighting mode. No, I think you're right. But I think he's had an okay series. Yeah, Hamid, right. decent return. But the thing about Hamid that frustrates me is he starts his two scores of 50 plus. He started both innings really proactively, picking up the singles, running, 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 doing what Dom Sibley wasn't doing, to be honest. Because I think him and Sibley are actually pretty similar players in terms of their strike rate, temperament, all round shot playing ability. Not, not that similar, but like. Hamid's not some shining Ian Bell replacement for um, actually Ian Bell's a terrible example, isn't it? But I don't know. A stroke playing opener. Just gothic. Just gothic. He's not that. But he runs proactively at the beginning of his innings, picks up singles, rotates a strike. But then he seems to get into some kind of a stasis, a weird kind of terror mode where he just absolutely stops scoring runs. And it's happened for both his 50s. He's got past 50 and then he's just scored absolutely no runs like the next day or the next session. And then he's eventually got out following a run of like five runs and 50 balls. And it feels like he's getting a bit stuck. Almost the nearer he gets to that three figures, which obviously can mean a lot lot to him, he just seems to freeze a bit and you kind of hope he kicks on. I've read quite a lot of interesting stuff saying Sibley's actually a lot better suited to opening in Australia because of the way he plays the short ball. And... Yeah, Hamid always, always taking that step forward. You can tell he's grown up playing on green seamers in Lancashire. 
plays with low hands as well, so he's very susceptible against short pitch bowling. Like he broke his hand that tour of India he did because of those sort of that low handed grip. So yeah, I would still I personally still take Sibley to Australia. Yeah, since being dropped by England, he churned out quite a few fifties for Warwickshire. No tons, but consistent runs. I'd still take him to Australia personally. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we've got to accept as well, there aren't that many it's not it's not like with England rugby where you get really frustrated as we England keep playing George Ford at 10 and just keeps kicking it down the middle. And you think that there are like there are lots of other good players here. You know, there's some really talented players in the Premiership who are ready to take his place or take some of the players' places. With England uh, cricket, it's not the same. There aren't a whole list of people. There isn't, oh, you know, you've got to play him or him or him. We have got a limited selection of players who are probably up for it and good enough. And so I think in one sense, we've just got to make do with who we've got with your Burns, Hamids, Crawley's, Pope, Milan, Lawrence. Um, Milan was a shame, wasn't he? The way he got run out in his innings. I think it was his fault rather than Hamid's, I'll say. Ooh, so, Milan hesitated. It was Hamid's call. Yeah, I'm not surprised he hesitated because there wasn't really a run there. Maybe he'd have made it if he didn't hesitate. Yeah, I'd... I'd, I'd dive? Weirdly? I'd, 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 I'd think um, I'd, I'd hold it on Hamid for that one. But... Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, um, Pope, Pope made his 80. Pope looked decent, which is good. Could be on... He's made, just made about 200 million at the Oval the other day at the flattest track ever. Could be on for a decent Ashes. Obviously, Roots class. And Bairstow did a Bairstow, didn't he? No, looked good throughout the series without making a score. I've had it with him. I'm done. I'm yeah, done you, with JB. You've said this so many times, Rob. Mate, I'm done. Never play test cricket again. He's gone. He's infuriating, isn't he? I mean, he You're got right. done by a real ball from Bumbra. But fundamentally, the amount of times he would get himself to 30 and then hook it to deep square leg or... Yeah, it's all over for him. You wait. The problem is this is recorded and we'll go into the ether forevermore. And then at some point, I'll be there. Sydney test. England win a remarkable 3-2. Bairstow double 100. I'll be like, I told you, never give up on Johnny Bairstow. He's always good enough for test cricket. I'll figure it out. Yeah, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's had it. Uh, yeah, maybe. Can we just also talk about the fact that all of everything I've ever said about Craig Overton came true in this test? Like, the fact that he's just not good enough for test cricket, that that mythical extra yard is nonsense. It is a myth. Um, Joe Root bowled him in that India innings. In the second India innings, Joe Root bowled him a total of 18 overs. Next lowest of the seamers, Wokes with 32. Like, Root completely lost confidence in him. And I just, he doesn't do enough for me. And he shouldn't he shouldn't be in and around this test squad. I actually think what you just said about the batting, and then there aren't that many options, there are options for the bowling. Yeah, Mahmood would have been good to play, but... A lot more exciting. Like, you know who India would rather face. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, that was frustrating. And I think we should also just quickly pay tribute to Moeen. Oh, yes, announced his retirement from Test Cricket. Very sad. It pretty much sums up England. Head of an Ashes, we dropped the two spinners. We've been uh, sort of grooming for great things. Pick Moeen for the whole summer. He then retires. We have to go back to the blokes who refused to pick all summer. Um, I I think that sums up sort of... English cricket planning as, as good as any. But I, I think I think a very good career. I think when as I think the longer the longer time goes on, distance from his England test career will people will look back and say he was a he was a really good player. Some champagne moments, the hat trick against South Africa to win the test at the Oval, um, a real highlight. Mm. But it's a really good, entertaining cricketer. 
the free-flowing cricketer. He's one of those guys who I don't think his, his stats aren't brilliant, but I don't think that necessarily always captures like some sometimes sometimes those twenties were absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. Very, very likable cricketer. And I think part of the way you're saying he's free-flowing meant he was never quite suited to being a sole test match spinner in some games because of the fact that he was a really aggressive wicket-taking bowler. He was never suited to holding up an end, which sometimes doesn't work. Um, and that means he wasn't always suitable for every test. But you know, you're right, wonderful cricketer. The thing that really struck out to me was that he scored four centuries in 2016 which completely passed me by at the time, or I'd forgotten about, but four centuries in 2016, and he only made five test centuries. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, a couple of them, one of them was in that, a couple of them, I'm sure, were in some ill-fated tests where we were chasing big totals on flat decks. Well, um, in the India tour. Yeah, yeah, so sort of. But still, like, what a year for him with the bat, and then it kind of, what could have been with the bat for him? For I, the- I think that's more, I think he got as much mileage out of his spin bowling as he was going to get. To be honest, but I think the the back thing it always could have you felt there could have been more. The, the talent was there, and at times the application was there, but but perhaps sometimes not. I, I suppose, of course, though we're talking about it like he's died. I mean, he's he's still in the England um, white ball team. I hope he starts in the T Twenty World Cup, um, plays a really crucial role there, and hopefully he'll be able to look back on a career when not only did he uh, play a whole load of games for England, win a, you know win Ashes at home, but also in one day cricket be a World Cup winner, 50 over, and a World Cup winner, T20 uh, as well. So um, plenty, plenty for him still to get stuck into. But sad he's retiring, but um, I don't I don't blame him, to be honest. I think it's probably the right call from oh, his own personal point of view. Makes complete sense, doesn't it? The way he talks about it, it makes so much sense. Like he'd lost his fire and the way he got messed around as well. I think that bit when we dropped him before, like one test in 2019 Ashes, that was it really, wasn't it? Like... Yeah, but I think fair play that he didn't sack it in then, that he's came back, thought, got his way back into the team and then he's decided, actually, you know what, and now at the stage and age and with, you know, PSL contracts and other things around and available, that he'd ability T20 franchise cricket. And I mean, that's how I'd play my career, right? Unless I was going to be like a James Anderson and I'm going for some all-time records here. I think they does get to that point when you're like 32, 33, and you think, you know what? Give me five years. Give me five years on the 2020 circuit. And just let me just set up my family for, for life. Yeah, no, completely. My my personal main moment is that when he bowled Coley and then Coley almost refused to walk off. That was yeah. fun. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's, that, that was that was a good good moment. And um, right then, I'm fell off of dancing around the subject. England's fantastic series equaling victory at Old Trafford as India, bowlers who could barely walk. As yeah, as India forfeited the test. Um, no. Joking aside, what do you make of it all? Let's be Michael. Let's be real here. They they basically were worried that they'd all have to isolate and miss some of the IPL, and so they bailed on the Test series. I'm not necessarily saying that's that was. It's a certainly understandable thing. The amount of money in the IPL, it's a massive deal. I can understand why that was where they ended up with it. Probably not my preference. I think obviously you want to see Test cricket being held above 2020 cricket, but surely. They were, they were at the airport like two, three hours after the game had been called off, flying straight to UAE to isolate ahead of, ahead of the, the tournament. So I think you make an almost unanswerable case. And also I do think it's funny that a few months ago there were reports that the BCCI were putting ECB under a lot of pressure to cancel the fifth test. And the ECB were saying, no, 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 we're not doing that. And then lo and behold, 
which test gets cancelled. So obviously that's a massive factor. The IPL is a big factor. The only thing that made me think, or made me a bit more sympathetic to their case, is the fact that every single one of their physios had come down with COVID. And then the day before the test, the final remaining physio, I think also tested positive for COVID. And so they suddenly had no physio staff whatsoever on hand to be there for the entire test. And because most of the physio staff had had COVID for like the week before, they'd all been doing all of their work with this one remaining physio who then came down with COVID. So I do get that if you're an international test team, you know, you're at the end of a long series, injuries are probably quite common. I get why you think this isn't tenable anymore. Like we can't continue in this situation. Yeah. But you're going to say, oh, there aren't any other physios in England. I was about to say, yeah. So we can't find another physio in Manchester? I'm sure there is someone, there's multiple people more than qualified to be able to fill the role. And secondly, let's, let's get all conspiracy theory with it. How suspicious that all the physios get COVID and none of the players do. So all the players are fine to then go. <laughs> physios, you know, rubbing, start, you know, gently rubbing these blokes' bodies in small combined rooms for days on end. No, they don't pass coronavirus onto any of the multi-million pound players who've all got big, big, but, but they're all ill. So that means we can't play. Not just the physio, the coach as well, right? Uh, yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah, but none of the, none of the players, of course, none of yeah, them. Yeah, I did think that at the time. I did think. How have, how have none of you guys called so it? So suspect. So, so suspect. And so that's my only thing I was a bit disappointed with. I would like the ECB to have held it over the barrel and be like, right, we're going to take the 2-2. And you can pay us a lot of compensation because there's no, you should be able to play this game. And they kind of, they kind of bottled it a bit there, which I thought was a shame. Because it, look, it looks like there's going to be a replacement next year, doesn't it? Yeah, like if some, yeah, because, because the ECBSL will, will claim the insurance this time around and, and take the money next I year. Th- I have to say, it's so much more rotten as well when you like go two weeks down the line and ECB were pulling out of the Pakistan tour and just the power balances of cricket. We've spoken about this podcast before and it is just awful, isn't it? Like the little teams without the sway and influence do just get ridden over and then the big teams, e.g. the big kahuna, India, can do what they want. Yeah, you know what? I'm joining you, Rob. Two all. Yeah, 2-2. Two, two. We're claiming it. Hit for six is saying England-India 2021 2-2 two, two series. series cool. well. ECB is spineless and you know what? You make a decision not to tour Pakistan and you make it for reasons that are fair, like, fair enough and understandable. I get that. But the way we explained it was I thought a bit pathetic. Like chucked in COVID at the end as a little bit of a oh and also this COVID and didn't, didn't go on the advice of our own government and security teams. So purely did it because New Zealand had done it and did it because it's most convenient. They probably didn't want to go to Pakistan. Not, my, not that much money in it. They think, actually, we can get our preparations for T20 World Cup perfectly well done in Dubai. We don't need to go there. Let's not, let's not bother. Did they talk to the players? I think they didn't even talk to the players. They were just worried that the players wouldn't want to go. And so they kind of took the action before it even could get to the players. But there is no, and this is what journalists have been saying, there is no way they couldn't have cobbled together such the depth of white ball strength in our country. A, a team of 11 pretty good cricketers who'd have been willing to go to Pakistan. There's yeah. No way. I would want to go if I was a player, despite the, any security concerns. I think it'd be really important to go. I would love to have been part of that first England team to play in Pakistan for 15 years. And it's a really important legacy piece. So yeah, I was very disappointed by that. I wasn't surprised though. I don't know if you were surprised, but no, I wasn't surprised. Not at all. No. We're not going. No, I agree. But um, it's it'd be right in terms of power plays and teams with the most 
money and influence and etc. Rule the roost. We've seen it in the, the rugby championships so the kind of New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Argentina tournament going on at the moment. That's been ludicrous. They did a photo shoot last week with just South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. Didn't even invite Argentina to it. I mean, that, that whole tournament is basically run in a way to suit, well, certainly not run in a way that's sympathetic or gives Argentina an easy, uh, an easy go at it. And they are the weakest team anyway, and so they end up losing all their games. And it's a bit of a bit of a farce. And I think you see it so often with um, all sorts of sports. And you see it with Spain, how they always used to negotiate the TV deals for La Liga. Each club negotiated it individually. And so Real Madrid, Barcelona walk away with tons of money. And if you're... I don't know, Osasuna or Real Valladolid. You're not you're not seeing much money comparatively, but but yeah. such is such is life really, and it's it's pretty well know, more positive news when it comes to associations in England. Have you seen that we're going to the Netherlands next year? Hit for six trip? Yes. We should go. Hit for six trip. Any fans can come with us. Yeah, any fans come with us. Maybe maybe take take wives and girlfriends as well. It's just gonna be us and Freddie Larkins, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> no, Amsterdam's ideal because presumably we're playing can't be that far from Amsterdam wherever they're playing. Yeah, it's perfect. You can get you can get a train, I think, can't you? Doesn't the Eurostar go there now? Oh, Eurostar trip, fantastic, oh, amazing. Tinny's on the train. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. All right, we're putting the call out. Hold on. When I'm gonna I'm gonna hundred percent want to do that. Actually, that'll be really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. I've said like, oh yeah, mate, we're gonna go to Australia. That's gonna cost me loads of money. I can, I can do, I can do the Netherlands. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, we know you will do this. Why one. are we splashing out on the Eurostar? We can get a mega bus for ten quid. And I'm actually, yeah, although not very eco, it has to be said. In these eco times, one time I have been to Amsterdam, I flew, and it was very cheap and very quick. So that is another option. But maybe, but we should probably, we should probably put our money where our mouth is and go to the most environmentally friendly um, transport where possible. Eurostar, cool. Yeah, well, it would be, wouldn't it? More than the, more than the bus. Probably the bus. Uh, Eurostar surely be more energy efficient in terms of number of passengers it takes. And I'm, I'm happy to be convinced. I've, I've done those buses before and I don't want to do them again. I feel like I've left that stage of life. Yeah, 100%. I think once you get to a certain point, like I realised it was the moment when I actually decided to go to a pub that isn't the Weatherspoons because I'd rather pay £3 more, but it'd be nice. <laughs> um, I've realised that and so therefore I no longer I'm probably I'm probably still just about to do National Express but I think I, I think I'm out of the Megabus era of, of my life that was that was 2013 through 2019 yeah. and then once I got a proper job I think that was that was the end of that alright so hip six fans we're heading to heading to Amsterdam and we're going to be partaking in lots of cricket yeah. so everyone's welcome to join love it before we, we call it a day, Michael, worth just talking about the Bob Willis Trophy final. That Yes. Well, let's talk about what came before the, in my view, slightly redundant Bob Willis Trophy final, e.g. who actually won the bloody thing. Well, the nice thing is that the same team's going to win both. Yes, that's so true. It, 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 that, that feels better. Yeah. So should we just, let's talk about the final game of the season before we, like, final game of the, the, the league, whatever. Um, I think you were following a bit closer than me. I, it's one of those ones, it's so exciting when you get, People love it when it's a title race and it goes to the last day of the season. You know, remember City and United, the Aguero goal. And, but the county championship last day of the season, well, it's a good one. It's like that on steroids because it lasts for four days. There are bonus points midway through games. So, you know, when, um, when Briggs for Warwickshire, um, where, when Danny Briggs hit that 20 off the 110th over to get the extra bonus point to just put them ahead of... Hampshire and Lancashire in the, in the chase for the title. Yeah, that's just a, a 
champagne moment in itself. And then, you know, as the games fluctuate and change, we saw it with when Middlesex won it a few years ago, a similar thing. It's just a shame that people don't really, the points system, I think it's good that the point system is complex because it makes it this exciting. Uh, and it does mean you get, um, in, like the bonus points, I think are important to encouraging attacking cricket and entertaining cricket during certain points of the day. This is a shame no one knows them. It's All a bit of a need- damned circle, though. It's exciting because it's complicated, because you understand it. But it's only exciting for a small group of people because it's so complicated well, and so niche and so cricket. But I don't think it's exciting because it's... I don't think the complication point is what puts people off. I think most people can grasp the concept, the bonus points. If you get you bat for 110 overs first 110 overs of each first innings, there's extra points you can get if you score these number of runs and we take this amount of wickets. Mm. But it's, that's not, it's not like if they scored 45% of what the other, you know, you don't have to get a calculator out for it. Yeah. I, the issue is that people don't really follow it closely enough or understand it or play enough county cricket captain to know, you know, how it works. So it was, I had one, I have one, well, two colleagues, though one wasn't in the office during these last exciting days. I only have two colleagues who are really, really getting into it and loving it. Um, but it was enjoyable to share the excitement with them, with a couple of mates who were following along enough. And I was pleased that Warwickshire ended up as champion. I think, I don't know about you, but having gone to Warwick Uni, I've got, I've got a soft spot for them. I think I've got a soft spot for them because I just feel like they're full of either England players I like, like Wokes, or like county pros who have been around for a while and I don't know, I felt, I felt like they kind of deserved it and they haven't won it for ages, which is quite appealing. Um, I felt a bit for Lancashire, particularly I was following on Twitter. They booked a pub for all of the players to celebrate with the fans. I think it was called the point or something. And by the end of the Warwickshire Somerset game, I think there were about 15 fans in the point. No players had turned up. It was, it was all on a big screen. I think that was quite sad. Yeah, that is sad. That is sad. Um, but Somerset couldn't get it done for them. Somerset collapsed. It did look like it was a really flat pitch. Like, it looked like it was a tough pitch to bowl on. So I went, as it was going into the final day, and I wasn't following it as closely as you, but I was following it and I was thinking, oh, I don't know, Warwickshire, are they going to prize out Somerset on the final day? And then they just collapsed. Also pleased that Tim Breslin's still just about going, taking about a million slip catches. So... No, please, please for them. And also, the last time I saw Warwickshire play in person was a 50-over game between Surrey and Warwickshire this year. And Tim Breslin just getting repeatedly dumped into the stands by Timmy David, the Surrey rounder. Um, and I felt a bit for Breslin. I thought, oh god, why is he still going? He doesn't really look like he can do it. But he's won the county championship. That's very, that's very nice to see. Um, Bob Willis Trophy final. I was frustrated. I should be there right now, Michael, but because it was raining at about nine o'clock, I decided, fine, you know what? We're going to record a podcast instead. So my opportunity to watch first class cricket in October has been denied me. I'm off today and I was, I was looking forward to going, but I'm not going to bother now because I don't think it's going to last for very long. So by the time I get up there after we've recorded this, I imagine it will be all over. It's very impressive that you were willing to go to watch four wickets for. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's not that far. It's only like, 35, 40 minutes to get there and then, you know, yeah. why not? So I'd, I'd probably sit at, one, sit at the grandstand or something and, and enjoy it. But um, there we go. Yeah, a bit of a redundant final, but Warwickshire dominant. I think it's showing actually what a good what a good side they are and that they probably are the best team, which is which is nice. I look, I look down this Warwickshire team sheet, actually, and there's so many players in there that I just like, I've got a soft spot for. 
you got Wokes, you got Breslin, you got Danny Briggs, you got Dom Sibley. We like, yeah, we like Dom Sibley. Hayne, yeah. No, I, I like this Warwickshire team. I'm pleased they got it done. Somerset, um, yeah, I'm surprised Somerset didn't have a bit more of a fight in that final innings, but Celebi. Yeah, exactly. That is it. Well, um, Michael, lovely to see you again. We'll, we'll be back. We're about to talk about the T20 World Cup and the 100. Yes. Um, Maybe have a look ahead at the Ashes with Tim Payne running his mouth off saying the Ashes would go ahead this winter even if the England players don't travel. And I did think, right, well, that would be a fun series watching you guys lift the trophy each thing at the, as you know, England forfeit each match India style. But I think he was just saying, you know, if some of the big players don't come, they're still going ahead. The thing is, it is a bit weird because Australia haven't played cricket for months. So they're obviously absolutely gagging for it. Yeah. But also, Australia are, rightly or wrongly, they're, they're really. They're, they're like so odd, like COVID. Like, I don't want to say they're wet about COVID because it's not something to be wet about. Like, it's pretty serious. Their approach is out of date. Like, a year ago, they were being held up as this is how you do a lockdown where it's safe when lockdowns were the only option. But their vaccination record is now terrible. And as a result, they're still in this 2020 phase. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not, I don't know, it's not an attractive place to go and they're so strict and there's no acceptance for anything or anyone like this is how it's going to be I'm not surprised I mean if I were an England player I'd much rather be talking Pakistan for this limited over series than the prospect of gruelling Ashes series down under getting pumped threats of instant lockdown suddenly all the tests are getting played at Ayers Rock or something because it's the only place with only state with no Covid cases do you know what I mean it's, it's not a, an attractive prospect it, it should be getting postponed to next winter that should that, that is what should happen the t20 world cup is happening again in australia in november so just combine the two and i know it can't be postponed because money and all of that all of these things and australia clearly desperate for it to happen but that is what would make sense rather than trying to make this damned series happen yeah well they did something again sorry third time i referenced rugby in this podcast but they did it with the lions over the summer that like, is happening the lions tour is happening it's like but like Thousands of people in South Africa are dying every day of COVID. It's it's happening. HSBC have spent a lot of money on this sponsorship or Vodafone or whatever. It's happening. And what unfolded was this like this terrible series, empty stadiums, awful rugby. No one really wanted to be there. And rugby was no better for it. And I think it'll be the same with the Ashes. I'm skeptical. Unless unless things do dramatically improve Australia in terms of vaccines and COVID, and it does feel like a more of a like like it does here now, right? Where you can just kind of slightly more just crack on with life then hopefully it'll be better. But if it's going to remain under very intense COVID conditions, think how much teams burn out at the end of long tours anyway, particularly England teams. Imagine what they're going to be like after winning the T20 World Cup. will be. It's going to be another like 5-0. After winning the T20 World Cup. Yeah, we're going to win the T20 World Cup and then it's just going to, we're going to crash and burn. It's going to be, there's going to be acrimony and Joe Root will be releasing autobiography slagging off half the team. And, you know, it'll be that all over I again. I don't, I don't think you followed the IPL, Rob much yeah, yeah only a little bit i used to watch it much more than i do now pitches in uae have been abysmal like no big scores turning sideways and they are making me think we picked the wrong team for the c20 world cup but the wrong squad but we'll get to that yeah we'll cover that next time around but mate have a good one yeah uh, you too and also just a little shout out to friend of the pod henry bone who's engaged so um i hope um, boz i say this with love i hope your wedding isn't the same time as the amsterdam England games no, no I don't think so the England games are in June aren't they his wedding's in August oh. fantastic but anyway but all, wedding on a Saturday during the summer cricket 
very very suspect decision but congratulations um, to yourself and georgia as a true friend i will be there for going my weekly cricket commitment yeah. that i make so i will also be there i will i will miss club cricket for it i i will i will say that much oh great all the best michael have a good one yeah. Bye.